Buonasera a tutti. Benvenuti a Kimberly's Italy. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy, or welcome back. I'm Kimberly Holcomb, and I am here with the one and only Tommaso. <laughs> Buonasera. <laughs> Buonasera, Tommaso. Come stai? Ah, oh, molto bene, molto bene. Bravo. Listen to him, you guys. He's learning. Yes. It's very exciting. <laughs> well, it is a Friday night while we're recording this, so I suggested, since it's date night, we should make an Aperol spritz, which I did. And here is mine. Yes, we have two rather large wine glasses filled up, and there's a blood orange in there. It's, it's actually rather healthy. And very refreshing. Yes. Tommaso said, no, it's too cold for an Aperol spritz. Yeah. I was like, I'm doing it. Uh, he heard the pop of the champagne bottle, got jealous, and said, okay, give me one, too. <laughs> so it, sounded so, it, sound much, it sounded so much more festive than a scotch. It sounds like Italy. Yes. And besides, I was going through some photos today for some social media posts that I'm trying to improve upon, and picture after picture after lunch and dinner of all the amazing food we had, but in about 50% of those images were an Aperol spritz. So there you go. There you go. Okay, so we left you on our last episode after we arrived in Matera. We had a full afternoon, an incredible, fun, entertaining dinner, a late night hangout outside of our cave dwelling, soaking it all in. And then we woke up the next morning to there, this Kitten Club 2's first official breakfast, because they excel at their breakfast. All the food is completely organic and made in the traditional Matera way. and are seated in this cave, but as I explained before, because of COVID, they actually serve you. They bring you up to the table. Right. You choose what you want, but each table had its own category. They got to experience the same delicious breakfast that I had the previous trip. Everything is organic. And because of COVID restrictions, uh, the waiters and waitresses not only took you to the areas where the food was, but they also brought it back for you. So you didn't touch a thing. It was really, you felt very special. <laughs> Their service is outstanding. It's impeccable. I say. Impeccable. impeccable. Okay. Anyway, after that lovely breakfast, uh, Rosanna and Chiara took off on an ape which I described before, one of my guests previously, the first trip, had a private Ape tour as well. And in case you didn't listen to that episode, an Ape is a three-wheel type motorcycle, one wheel in the front, two in the back. You can have a two people in the back, the driver's in the front. And in this case... It's we, like a golf cart without clubs. You're the clubs. But only three wheels instead We're, of four. Oh, right. Well, most of them, a lot of them have three wheels. Oh, I don't, I don't golf. <laughs> Obviously. Okay, fine. Anyway, um, I hired the same young man, a local gentleman who is funny and personable and speaks perfect English. And like everyone else we ran into in Matera, very, very proud of the history of their hometown. So Chiara and Rosanna went off on that. It was about a two or three hour tour. Yeah, I think it was so three. The rest of us decided to just put on our sneakers and go. We must have walked every single 
path, sidewalk, stone step, went into all the buildings, the town halls, the churches, the under the arches. We went absolutely everywhere, knowing that we were going to meet those two back at the cave for a late lunch. Well, the typical hour lunch, 1 or 2 p.m. And we just went and went and went and in. You were never exhausted. I mean, you go up and down and up and down. What did you say the other day, Tommaso, that you're never actually walking on anything you're level? Never, you're never walking on anything level. You're always <laughs> going up or down or up or down. Even when it seems even when it seems level, it's actually not level. And and then we decided the only time you are level, horizontal is when you're in bed. <laughs> or that bathtub. Well, no. Well, yeah. I don't know if you're level. I mean, the water's level. <laughs> anyway, so we went up and down. I showed them everything and more that I had not even seen before. And it's like a maze. You just keep going. And once you get the lay of the land, you're not even concerned that you would get lost because you can always find those ravines and see where you are. Look for the Duomo and figure your way back. Right. But... The funny thing about Matera is only 30% of Matera is visible from the outside. 70% is below ground. Oh, that's super interesting. Well, that makes complete sense now that you say that. Right. And that's why they, they were called back then troglodytes. That's ha what they call Cave them. dwellers. Cave correct? dwellers. Troglodytes. Hmm. I wonder what that word is in Italian. Troglodyte. I made that up. <laughs> Anyway, so we had a really good time, just the four of us, and then we went back to our cave to meet the other girls for lunch. And as we stood there for a second saying, where do you feel like going? Someone said, Zionini's lunch yesterday was so fantastic. Let's, let's go back. Not a single person resisted to that idea. So up we went, down we went, and we we're walking down the slope towards Zionini's and that same lovely woman that was there yesterday. I think she's a wife. Maybe she's married to Zionini. I'm not sure. But it's a family affair. Right. She saw us coming. The smile lit up. She got some tables together. And as we got closer, she said, ciao, amici. <laughs> we had just eaten there yesterday and she was that friendly. It was just so much fun. So we all sat down. I had a beer that day, una birra, you know, regionale, a, a local beer. I can't recall what you guys had, but it was another warm, sunny day. And we all decided that, oh, your panino from yesterday looks so good or your soup looks so good. I'm going to try that. And I actually had that soup that Rosanna had the day before. And the funny thing is we didn't know the name of it previously, the day before at lunch, until the, the previous night's dinner when Fabio, our funny waiter, offered this soup special made with beans and a regional soup. And the name is Crapiata. Remember that? And we <laughs> laughed. We laughed so hard in the restaurant that night. He's like, Cosa What's wrong? I was like, Crapiata is just not a very good word in, in English. He goes, What's it mean? So I gave him, you know, the analogy. He's like, oh, <laughs> so when we're at Zionini's the next day for lunch, I ordered the soup, crapiata, and it was delicioso. <laughs> As it was. And I was a creature of habit. And I'm sure I had the exact same thing. You probably did. Panini with prosciutto and arugula, arugula. Mm -hmm. and uh, Aperol spritz. Mm -hmm. And then we went into their store. It's like a 
specialty gourmet shop that sells local regional goods. And I bought that Kruski. It's called, it's a dried pepper. It's from Basilicata, from the region. And they started making this Kruski in the 1600s. So I have another bag of that downstairs. Really? Oh, yes. Remember they crush the pepper on top of a sandwich or a salad and they're like a sweet pepper. Delicious. So anyway, we bought a bunch of goods because they were so nice. We bought wine, the little biscuits, you name it. We, we left prepared. Okay. (laughs) And then for some reason, Tommaso and Rosanna took off because Tommaso wanted to find the store that he saw in the window was closed earlier he saw the display of these beautiful Italian scarves. So and, the two of you found this place. Yes. And I don't remember what the gentleman's name was. I think it may have been Giuseppe. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, I think it was Giuseppe. Yeah, but when I walked in there, I didn't actually buy a scarf. I was sold two scarves. <laughs> and I was taught, I was taught five different ways to tie it. I was taught, you know how to twist it, how to wrap it around. I come around and I wear those scarves. And the beautiful thing is you walk away from these and there's not, you're here in America, there's not a lot of those scarves. So you've got something quite special. They're unique. They're very unique. And do you remember like later that night, I think when we were going to meet um, our tour guide, we were walking on one of the paths and you and Rosanna both had your scarves on and all of a sudden you heard... We, him, we saw him. We saw him under the archway, yes. right down from the on Via Duomo, yes. right down from the Duomo under that big archway. And he's like, "Guardate! Look at you! You look so amazing!" He, was, he, was, he, was <laughs> he hugged. So good. He hugged Rosanna. He was so good. I felt like a million bucks after that guy. <laughs> I felt like I was George Clooney. <laughs> anyway, you two went off to do that. The uh, other girls and I just kept at it. We walked around, and that afternoon we walked to the very top of it would be the north uh, west corner we walked to the very top where one of the oldest uh, stone churches a cave dwelling church with frescoes in it and we went into that and you had to pay maybe three euro to get in and no cameras no video no nothing S- couldn't touch anything it was that you know, precious. And so they had someone standing in there to make sure that you wouldn't take pictures or touch a wall or anything because it's so old, thousands of years old. And I didn't realize that that man actually was there to watch everybody. I just thought he was an Italian looking at his history there, his heritage. And in the end, we walked out. We were just mesmerized, speechless at how old this was because they gave us a pamphlet in both English and Italian, and explained everything. And it's called La Madonna del Vertu. And when we walked out, finally, we could barely pull ourselves away. But when we left, the man said, grazie mille for the visit. Right. And there were no tourists, remember? Right. We had the best, we hit it so perfectly, the time frame of being there. And that gentleman stood in that church all day. Tourist or not, maybe he wait outside until someone came in. But anyway, we walked around all that whole area, way, way, way up top that we hadn't been to previously. 
So at the end of that second day, we felt like, I think we've seen it all. Well, you know. Kind of. Yes. But I've got one little tidbit that I found out about Matera today. What? That Matera, it was, it was been chosen and has been chosen to double as ancient Jerusalem. So if you saw Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of Christ, mm, which yes. I didn't because I don't speak Aramaic. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie was in? Aram- Aramaic. Interesting. I, I, I think How so. long ago was that movie? When Mel Gibson was young. He's, he's still around. Young and no, I No, I don't think it was. I was like 10, 15 years ago. Okay. Anyway, it's chosen to represent ancient Jerusalem. Interesting. Well, an Italian film director also made a movie depicting yep. the same. Pier Paolo Pasolini. Pier Paolo Pasolini. The Gospel According to St. Matthew. See, I knew it. Anyway, so yes, it can look like Jerusalem for sure. It does look that old. Like we described in the previous podcast, you don't see anything that reminds you in that you are in the 21st century. Right. So there you have it. And just what I said before, if you're there and you're looking around, you're only seeing 30%. It is like Swiss cheese. 70% of Matera is underground with a lot of cisterns that captured rainwater for drinking water. And there were actually one section where they had scuba divers go and explore way underground. Oh, after they found it. After they found it. Like 80s. Yeah. Right. Well, anyway, so after we each did our own thing and Tommaso and Rosanna are walking around in their very fine scarves, we all met back at the cave to meet up with a young man that we hired to give us a walking tour of the Sasi. And as I explained before, the Sasi are the original cave dwellings. And we were waiting outside. Again, it was like lovely, perfect weather. We uh, were supposed to meet him at six o'clock. So we were just sitting outside the front ufitcho, the front office area, the entrance to their cave. And all of a sudden I saw this young man with very long hair walking down. He walked up to get to our place. And then, of course, he had to walk down and his hair was down to the middle of his back and he was young and good looking and he looked and he said uh buonasera say kimberly i was like see hello and i thought not what i thought i expected an older man because the people that worked at our cave dwelling said oh will we recommend this local man who actually lived in asasi so i was expecting an older person So this man's about in his 30s, and he showed up, and we took off. And I'm not uh, one that normally takes a guided tour, but we did, and I'm convinced that was the best three hours. Informative, interesting, educational, and delivered by someone with the real experience. Of living there. Yes. Yes. But in a past episode, we went into a little bit of the history of the Saucy itself, correct? We did. Yes, we did. And uh, I can go into some more because I found some very interesting tidbits. Do you tell. And it's actually, the United States had a, a role to play in the, in the cleaning up of the Saucy. Okay. How's that? Well, so in the 50s, there were 16,000 people living in the Saucy, right? In complete squalor, although they loved their community. Um, well, the shepherds. In and, case people haven't listened to the previous episode, which I think was episode 33. Yes. Uh, yes, Rome correct. to Matera. 33. Um, just describe 
it was abject poverty, no sanitation, no plumbing, no, no. animals living in with you, you know, whatever. Um, but what happened is it was, you know, the scourge of, of Italy. No, it was called the shame. La vergogna d'Italia. Yes. The shame of Italy. The shame of Italy. And so when the Marshall Plan came around to rebuild Europe post-World War II, they decided that they would build all these buildings on the outside and move the 16,000 people out. And that's what they did. They built all these sort of, well, they weren't, they hired all these avant-garde architects to design them and people thought they were living in a sterile box. And they also really, really missed all of their neighbors because they would gather outside because, you know, you wanted to be outside because you're in this humid cave. Um, they missed their neighbors. They missed the socialization of it all. But it emptied it out. And then for the next 20 years or so, it was just abandoned. And actually, at one point, they wanted to wall it in. Grazie Dio. Thank God they didn't do yes, that. Yes, they didn't. They didn't do it, thank God. But it fell into complete and utter disrepair. Things growing all over the place. And in the 70s, there was a ton of drug use in there and smuggling. Um, and it was really, really filthy. Again, the shame of Italia. The shame of Italia. But people decided to go back there. And in the 70s and the 80s, some artists started to go back there. And they wanted to re-inhabit it. They, they thought it really had a cultural significance. And they started going back in and actually cleaning it out a little bit at a time. And that was sort of the beginning of, hmm, we actually have something here. And instead of hiding this as a shame, the fact that this was one of the most, the longest inhabited places back to Paleolithic era, why wall it in? Why is it shame? It, we should celebrate it. And that's what they started that going. So once those artists and younger people move back in, then I think that's when the Italian government got the thought process of, okay, let's encourage it, correct? Let's find some funds or just... They did some long leases, some 30-year leases at basically zero, so that people could then invest and rehabilitate these, and people finally realized that, oh, well, these could actually be habitable. And given the right financial incentives, we can bring these into the 21st century. I guess that is exactly what happened to our guide's family, because let's say he's maybe 35, 36 years old, and he said he lived there as a child. So I guess one of his, his parents were one of the couples that in the 80s said, hey, let's go, let's go live in the Saucy again. He said he only lived there for a few years, I believe, but then he went and lived in the other part of the town where all those apartment buildings were built in the 50s to relocate the 16,000 original inhabitants. So this young man walked us around and told us the history, his personal history, and then the history of Matera itself. There's two main Sassi dwellings. One is called Sasso Cavioso and Sasso Barisano. And he gave us the history of all of it. And then from there, he just segued into the history of Basilicata, Matera, the culture down there, the cuisine, everything. And on top of it, he was funny. He was so interesting. I truly think it was the best guide. Like I said, I've never taken advantage of that many guided tours, but in this case, it was fantastic. And we went through the whole city and also to do it at night. 
when, as we described before, everything is lit from behind, um, from below and from the side, and it's just, it's otherworldly at night. And then to be standing there looking at the top of one of the stone walls, looking down into the original Saucy and this guide explaining everything, it was just like, I didn't even want the night to end. But it did. And we, I think um, a few of the gang got a gelato. And then we thought, okay, it's our last night. We could walk way down to the very bottom and go way up to the very top and over the top back to our cave dwelling. Like, let's do it. One more big, huge workout. And we did. And then when we got back to our place, four of us decided to sit outside on the same table and bench that we were at the night before and have, we didn't have a dinner this night. So we figured we we got out some of those snacks that we bought at Zionini's, like the biscuit. And we sat outside and had a, a bottle of wine, four of us. Rosanna and Ninetta called it an early night. I think Rosanna was taking a bath. Maybe Ninetta was too. Everyone loved the bath. So anyway, the the four of us sat outside just soaking it in again. It just, it's so mesmerizing, this place. We kept it a little quiet because we could see inside that there was a private dinner going on inside the room where we have breakfast, the cave where we have breakfast. And then eventually they all came out and they clearly had had a really good time, an amazing dinner and lots of really good wine. Yes. They were all very nice, all extremely well-dressed. Oh, yes. We had a really nice chat with them. Well, the first gentleman came out. He took one look at Tommaso and surrounded by these three... He liked my scarf. Oh, that was it. <laughs> no, he said something like, Come my, say, cosi fortunato. How, how is it that you're so lucky to be sitting with just a bunch of girls? <laughs> how suave. Anyway, they were really nice and funny. And then they took off. And then I decided to discuss briefly before we all went to our caves the fact that that morning I had heard about a shopero. A shopero is a strike, and I am very used to them from my years of living there. And a shopero can be nationwide on all transportation, or it could be through bus drivers. It could be on delivery drivers. You name it, they have shoperos. And they announce them 50% of the time. And when they do announce them, they normally give a time frame. So in this case, the shopero for the following day was for the airline workers. And we were flying from Brindisi to Rome. And we had like a three o'clock flight. And we, our plan was to leave Matera the next morning, drive to Brindisi another hour and a half in return, return the car, right there at the airport and get on the flight to Rome. Easy. So we had purchased our tickets a month or two in advance. Everything was coordinated, organized. And then the shopero happened. So I started worrying about it. And I spoke to the the girls working in the office that day. They hadn't heard about it because there's no airport next to Matera. Right, so it didn't right. affect them. But then they go online. They're like, oh, Dio mio, oh, la, 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 mamma mia. So then I thought, okay, I have to have a backup plan because what if we drive to Brindisi, return the litter box, 
and then are stuck in the Brindisi airport for a day. And then we'd have to find accommodations in Brindisi, which probably would have been easy in that it wasn't um, crowded. It wouldn't have been a problem, but we would have also lost our room in Rome for the night. Paid for our rooms. We paid for that. But also Brindisi airport is, you know, not that far from the village, but it's not, you know, wouldn't wouldn't be idyllic. The local Hilton or Motel 6 wouldn't work it out. No, no. So I came up with this backup plan and I threw it out to the gang and I said, even though we've paid for our flights and they cannot be returned, uh, we, we cannot get refunded if we don't take the flight, we could take a train. And they're like, it's up to you. You decide. So anyway, I thought I'll think about it in the morning. But instead, we went back to our cave and it was my turn. And I took a bath. So if you listen to our previous episode, we described these very contemporary egg-shaped bathtubs that they had in the middle of one part of the cave. Just the bathtub, about six candles, one bench that had your towel on it. And Tommaso had the brilliant idea, which he called a travel tip, for when we return, for anyone going, bring a Bluetooth speaker so that you could play... Listen to that. He teed this up. (laughs) That's it, dear. So you could play Gregorian chants. That's all he could think about when he took his bath in this cave with candlelight, thinking about how old it was. Gregorian chant was first sung by the Byzantine monks in the 9th and 10th century. And while laying in this beautiful cave, in this wonderful bathtub, I just couldn't, just couldn't get it out of my mind that they'd probably sung this here. Bravo, Tommaso. Buon idea. Perfect, perfect idea. <laughs> I'm going back. Oh, that sounded so good. I felt like I was just there. I'm go- Even though I didn't have Gregorian chants, that bath with those candles in that cave. And the, the was- music echoing off the oh. walls. Oh. Let's go back. Like- Next week. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a religious person, but man, I, I've always liked Gregorian chant. Ah, okay. So whew, let me get myself back into this podcast because I was just thinking of that bath. Okay. So anyway, after my lovely, awesome bath, I didn't really sleep that well that night because I started worrying about the stupid Chopero. And then I finally decided, okay, I think the right thing to do is to just get up early and buy train tickets. And the rest of the kitten club gave me the okay, do whatever you want, whatever you think will get us to Rome. So I got up super early and I walked into the Uficho, the office, and one woman and one gentleman were working. That was the night crew. They have someone there all night long. And I got in there at like 30 and they're like, buongiorno, Kimberly. Hi, I'm a little, a little stressed out. I think I need to buy train tickets, but it would be so much easier if I could return the car in Bari instead of Brindisi. I went through this entire... all. I, Panic attack. I No, I didn't have a panic attack. I just went through all the possibilities of what I should do to make this as seamless as possible. I thought, okay, we'll take the train. You never know how long these union workers may do their shopero. So I had sat down initially to try and buy these train tickets through Train Italia on their site on my phone. And that was ridiculous. And since 
the other four women that worked there weren't there yet since it was so early. I asked Antonio if I could borrow one of the, their computers. He goes, Certo, sit down here, go ahead. So I'm starting to go, and then all of a sudden, some of the girls came in for the day shift, and then they were getting ready, but it was that one day of the week where they have a office meeting in another room, in another cave. So normally, I think they just lock the door with a sign that says, we'll be right back, but since I was in the midst of buying these tickets, <laughs> Juicy was her name, she goes, okay, colega mia, okay, my colleague, just have at it and we'll see you in half an hour. <laughs> and they walked out. I was like, wait, wait, what if somebody comes in? She's like, you deal. It's okay. You'll be fine. So I'm sitting at her computer, buying these tickets, plugging away, passport numbers, all this stuff. And all of a sudden this Dutch couple walked in to check out. I was like, mm, interesting. <laughs> I said, could you just go have a cappuccino and be back in 20 minutes? Okay. So that just shows you how caring, considerate, friendly these people are. They let me use their office to help me out of a jam. In the end, we got there eventually. <laughs> it wasn't as funny as the drive from Puglia to Matera on those dirt paths, but it it had its its own story, lots of laughs and a little bit of annoyance. It's kind of like that trains, planes, an automobile movie from mm -hmm. years ago. So why don't we start our next episode with our return? And we finally got to Rome. And key thing here, my obsession to get to Rome in time, not just to lose the money of our hotel that night, but we were meeting Livia's oldest friend from Milano because they went to Rhode Island School of Design. Right. The two of them were college friends, friends from 30 years ago mm -hmm. and he lives in Milano and he came down with his Italian girlfriend and we were all meeting for dinner at nine o'clock and we all stayed in the same little palazzo so I was obsessed that we had to get there what if we were stuck in the Brindisi airport anyway I'll carry on with that the Chopero could have ruined our social life <laughs> we'll pick up there next week and once again, thank you so much for listening and sharing the word about our podcast. We're getting more and more referrals and I'm getting more inquiries. And here's our Gregorian chant again. I don't think we should end this episode with a usual thump, thump, thump. <laughs> okay. Well, grazie mille tutti e ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. Okay. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.